Journey to Organization, Episode 89, Sabrina Pearl, Get Healthy. You're listening to the Journey to Organization podcast with Rebecca Saltzman, advice to help you clear your clutter and your mind. Hello and welcome to Journey to Organization. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagan Begone Personal Organization, and today I'm chatting with Sabrina Pearl, the health and fitness instructor extraordinaire. Sabrina became a certified nutritional consultant and certified personal trainer after she went on her own weight loss journey after the birth of her first child. She works with clients individually to help them lose weight and to come up with individual nutritional plans, as well as family plans. She teaches her clients how to shop healthfully along the way. Sabrina is the author of two books, Quick and Healthy Recipes for Delicious Holiday and Weight Loss Made Simple, both of which are available for sale on her website, healthybysabrina.com. Welcome, Sabrina. Hello. Thank you so much for having me here. Oh, I'm so glad you could join us. Tell us, how, tell us about your journey to becoming a health and nutrition coach. What spurred you on? What gave you motivation? How did you do it? <laughs> um, okay, so I think at, at a very young age, like at the end of my teens, my grandparents were actually quite sickly and a lot of it had to do with bad nutrition and it really kind of spurred me on to try to live a healthier life, but I didn't really know what that meant to be honest because of all the conflicting information out there until I was in my 20s after having my first baby and I had tried to kind of jump into fitness again um, by putting on this fitness DVD and I felt like I, I felt like my organs were like going to drop through the floor. You know that feeling <laughs> when yes. you first decide, okay, I had a baby. I'm going to go for a 5k run. And you're like, whoa, what, what was I thinking? I kind of took a little bit of a break and went slowly back into it and felt a lot better and got um, fit, lost a lot of weight. Um, a lot of the weight I put on during pregnancy, which was a bad pregnancy. I had gained like, I think 80 pounds by the end of it. So like a whole wow. other mini adult. I think my son, now, <laughs> my son now weighs 80 pounds and he's 10. So that's, right. that, that's how much I've put on. Okay. I know it's a lot. It, it feels like a lot on you too, right? It, yeah. It, feel, it really does feel like you're carrying around an extra person. Your back hurts, your joints ache. It's not even just about the way you look, but it's, just, it's a way, about the way you feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also, you know, your self-esteem kind of lessens a bit about it because of it. Right, right. So what did you do to take steps to become a coach? And, and how did you figure out the right way to lose the weight? So first, I really wanted to tackle the nutritional aspect because I felt like every time you open a magazine or you go online, there's always like some articles, some information that conflicts completely with the information you read five minutes ago. Right. <laughs> That's true. I really wanted, I wanted to help people kind of, you know, get through that and decode that for themselves and learn how to do that the healthy way, not by starvation, um, not by eliminating whole food groups, but by really doing it in a healthy way that is, um, going to make them feel energized and going to make them feel good and confident during their journey as well. Um, so I went to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and I became certified through them, which is a very interesting program. It's kind of like life coaching, but in the nutritional aspect, okay. but 
It brings in all aspects of your life in order to help you be healthier, mm-hmm. um, which is a very different approach than what, let's say, clinical dietitians get and um, registered dietitians get that you take into consideration the whole lifestyle, not just of the one person, but also, you know, of their kids and their husband and their whole, like, what is their dynamic and how can we make it feasible that they don't have to go into the freezer and get like freezer schnitzel every night? You know, how can we get them cooking more? How can we get them eating healthy more? Okay. Um, So how can we get them eating healthy more and cooking more? um, Well, one of the things I created were these meal planning workshops and they are really about how to help the parents get their kids to eat healthy and nutritionally dense foods, even if they're short on time. Okay. Um, and it, it definitely does take some planning, which is why it's called meal planning. Mm -hmm. Um, but one of the big, one of the big issues when you meet parents is, well, I have one kid who doesn't like red food and I have one kid that doesn't like white food and I have one kid that doesn't eat vegetables. And, you know, everyone has these picky kids, right? Right. You know, as a phenomenon, everyone has picky kids. You can't get away from it. So how do we get these kids to eat like healthy food? Right. Right. Um, And one of the things we came up with was the idea of meal prepping on a big scale, let's say once or twice a week. Um, So let's say, you do your bulk Shabbos cooking. Okay. Right? You keep in mind that you might not want to cook Sunday and Monday and sometimes even Tuesday. Like you might want to put stuff in the freezer. Right, right. I never want um, to cook. <laughs> right? Or even Wednesday and Thursday. If you cook enough, you can freeze enough, right? Right, right. Um, and let's say you have one kid that's like, well, I don't like meatballs this night and that's what you have. It's not such a big deal to, you know, make a little omelet for that kid because it's one person who refuses to eat it, but you can, or they can eat around it. You still have, let's say rice and vegetables. They can eat totally just around that and still get a pretty healthy meal. Right. Right. Um, But it's also just about reducing the stress. A hundred percent. It's really stressful. Actually, a lot of, um, I was going to ask you this later in the, in the, uh, episode, but a lot of the listeners have issues with time management. So besides for like bowl cooking for, for Friday, you know, when we're cooking for Shabbat and, you know, freezing from there, are there any other healthy tips you can give us so that we can spend less time in the kitchen? So to be fair, when you go through the grocery stores, there are some wonderful options for pre-cut salads. Um, let's say like those coleslaw in a bag. Mm-hmm. Um, frozen vegetables. I actually, like in Israel, especially, I actually really like frozen vegetables. I find that you can keep them in the freezer forever and all it takes is a quick boil and you have fresh vegetables. Um, And and also because a lot of the vegetables are not available in Israel, like most of the year anyways. Right. But they also don't lose their nutritional value. Right. right. Well, because they're frozen at their height of their freshness. Exactly. And that's really important. So you don't have to feel like, well, I can't find broccoli in the store. Well, you can find frozen broccoli and it's not a problem. It also won't go bad and probably there are less bugs. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. um, The thing is to minimize, like if you're really, if you, if the husband and wife are both 
or if a single mom or whoever it is who's, you know, in charge of the cooking are really high powered career people with long hours. And when they get home, they really want to be involved with their kids and they don't want to be fighting about how they're cooking dinner. So you have to do your homework by yourself or whatever it is. You need to be able to navigate your way around the store, buying things that are healthy, but just slightly more convenient. So the bagged lettuce, the coleslaw mixes that you can make into a stir fry, um, all those things, the frozen vegetables, um, getting your chicken already like pre-cut. So like if you're going to make schnitzel, don't like buy the whole chicken and like try to make it yourself, you know, cut right, it up yourself right, right. really short on time. Buy the thin schnitzel that's going to cook in a flash. Right. Right. Um, all those things like, yeah, it might cost a little bit more money, but you're saving so much on time. Right. Do you, a hundred percent, do you get your kids involved in planning your menus for the week or do they have no input for you? Cause we have found that for us involving the kids and getting them, you know, cooking with us shortens the time and, or cooking with my husband, I, I put him in charge of making dinner, but, <laughs> um, but we've found that, that, adding them to, to nightly cooking or, or just the planning in general has made mealtimes um, less traumatic for us. Do you, yeah. do you do that and encourage people to do that also? I do encourage people to do that. Um, and they do find it a lot easier, I think, when their child has input over what they're going to eat it does make things easier. It makes them feel like they're a bit more in control of what their meals are. Um, I remember someone telling me once that children, especially younger children, mm-hmm. have so little control over what goes on in their lives. Right. That the one thing they can exert control over, well, actually the two things they can exert control over is potty training to some extent if they're really right. resistant. Uh-huh. 100%. Right, um, it's true. So when they're younger, like I would say three, four, five, that's a great time to really get them involved in what they're eating and trying to find a way to make things more palatable. Um, when my younger one was a baby, I found that by making his meals really colorful, he actually ate almost everything. Oh, that's a great tip. He, he was a very visual child and mm-hmm. he loved it. So I put like peppers, like yellow peppers, green peppers, red peppers, and he would be there you know, pointing and saying what color they were, like learning the colors. And he would just eat everything in front of him because he really enjoyed it. No, that's um, great. Sometimes it's about finding these little tricks that work for your kid. Sometimes you have a texture child who really likes different textures. So give him a bunch of foods that are really interesting to them. Right. Are you a proponent of hiding foods and healthy foods and in, in other not healthy foods or less healthy foods or even regular foods in general? Um, so I will say that I've definitely put zucchini into banana bread, <laughs> but that is probably the only thing I've done. I really <laughs> believe children should see vegetables, get used to seeing vegetables and eat, and eventually they will eat them. Okay. Great. Um, and I think that that, like if they don't like a vegetable, I don't think there's any reason to be stressed about it. I think just give them a different one. Give them a bunch of different options. Let them choose what they like. I have one child who will eat almost every vegetable out there. And I have one child who will not eat tomatoes. And I'm trying to think what else. Um, He's not a big fan of broccoli. But like, I'm not going to stress him out about it because he'll eat a bunch of other things. 
How do you deal with families who have food allergies for one child? Like, so in our family, my son is allergic to pine nuts and raw tomatoes. So in, in Israel, not having raw tomatoes is a little bit hard, but we find that we just sort of avoid those two things and, and we're okay. But a lot of families have much more severe food allergies. Do you recommend people like just make the house allergen free or does it depend or? So to be fair, I think when it comes to allergies, especially deadly allergies, I think it's really about what the parents are comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not somebody who would push you to have food in your house that somebody could die from. Right. Um, <laughs> Thank God ours it, are not deadly, just really inconvenient. <laughs> even, even so, like there's yeah. no reason if, if the people in charge are uncomfortable having that food around, I don't think there's any reason to introduce it into the house. Okay. Um, if they're comfortable and don't mind trying to have it around and maybe the child is old enough to be a bit more careful even in the house, then that's one thing. But otherwise I would say, you know, navigate the way you're comfortable because if you're not comfortable with it, then what's the point? Right. So I meant more in terms of like, um, sort of if so for us it's not a big deal like pine nuts or tomatoes like we can live without those but what about like when people are allergic to like major um like for example celiac what happens when you know you have to pull out a whole major food group for the health of one person in the family you know and it is it detrimental to other people in the family like how do you just navigate with like recipes it's because especially with something like gluten-free um, there's a lot more work involved for people who have to have a gluten-free diet. So how can you like so, navigate and manage and like around something like that? Well, most people I know who have a member of the family who are gluten-free or celiac, um, their whole house is not usually gluten-free. Um, the person who is gluten-free or celiac is the one who usually is eating the gluten-free food. Um, number one, because in Israel, just the cost of gluten-free, like things are much more expensive compared to the non-gluten-free. So like gluten-free flour and things like that are usually just not something they want on their shopping list for the whole family. Um, they are careful about it. They try to find other, other foods to give that child. If the child especially doesn't like bread and things like that, because the taste does change. Mm-hmm. So they'll find like gluten-free um, rice cakes and things like that for our hot SR. Um, it is hard. I think in Israel, it's especially hard. I think it's probably a lot easier in America. There are bigger gluten-free options mm-hmm. or more gluten-free options. Um, but I think it's really rare that the whole family goes gluten-free. Mm-hmm. I think okay. they, Usually what happens is when they do big meals together, like if they're doing um, Shabbat and, they're, and they have a company and they want to have a cake, they'll do a gluten-free cake just so that everyone can have it, or they'll have one with gluten and one with gluten-free. Okay. Um, but it's really unusual that the whole family decides to be gluten-free. Right. So talk to us about what's special and unique about your nutritional and health coaching planning training <laughs> and, and describe for us exactly what aspect of it is 
is special or different or unique to you? So my approach is really that there's no such thing as one size fits all. Um, everyone has busy lives. Everyone has their own dynamic in their home. And one of the things I try to keep in mind when we do meal planning and when I do weight loss coaching is that what works for one person might not work for the next person and probably right. won't work for the next person because it just won't be practical. Okay. Um, yeah. So each, each training session, each meal planning session, each nutritional consultation is truly completely customized for that client. I don't think I have two clients that are even on similar meal plans. Okay. <laughs> it definitely makes more work for me, but I love <laughs> it. Like each person's a challenge because you have to see like, how will this work? Like, are you able to, you know, cook for yourself every night? Are you not able to cook for yourself every night? Um, are you able to bring your lunch to work? Are you not like all these things are so can be so different for each person. There's right. so many variables. Plus that, each person's body is different. So that takes into account part of the equation also, right? Exactly. But it's not even just about their body. It's also about I believe that there is a psychological component to nutrition. Um, 100%. And I think that if you can't make it easy, or let's say like, if you can't make a strategy that is achievable for that person, then you failed them. Mm -hmm. um, you're setting them up for failure because right. if it's not doable, then it's just not doable. I can, I can tell you to eat whatever I want you to eat. But like, if, first of all, if you don't like it, if you can't cook right. it, what's the point? Right. Do you ever have clients who are like, I just can't make this one dish work and it's frustrating for them. And you're like, no, you can make it. It's easy. No. I mean, not that you would say that. Just like, sometimes people are like, I just can't make this one thing work. Does that happen to you? Like it my does. mom always says to me, I can't cook fish. And I'm like, That's what do you actually, mean you can't cook I fish? Really? Well, because fish is one of those things that if you cook it for too long or if you, if, you know, it gets dried out and kind of. Like, yeah, you, it's not good. <laughs> it can go bad quickly. It can go bad quickly. You have to kind of know what you're doing. It's, right, it's right. harder than, um, than chicken, in my opinion. Really? Um, but. No, I have this one muffin recipe that works for me fantastically, like amazingly. And I've had like three people tell me, I don't know what you're doing differently. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if it's ovens in Israel or whatever setting I'm using. I can't figure it out, but it works in my oven and it like doesn't work in anyone else's. So I had to come up with a different muffin recipe because it just wasn't clicking for other people. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> you know, like... It's just the way things work. I don't, but I found that for some reason, since moving to Israel, it definitely happens more often than when I lived in America. Uh -huh. How long have you been um, in Israel? Three and a half years. Wow. Okay. Um, so let's talk about, um, and, and I sort of want to relate this to, you know, a little bit what I do, but um, I always tell people, if you're stuck in decluttering, you know, get someone to help you. It doesn't matter if it's your friend or if it's a pro. And I assume, 
on a weight loss journey, I mean, I know from my own experience on a weight loss journey, um, that getting help is one of like the keys to, um, actually being successful at it. So I'm just wondering what's your take on, you know, a trainer versus a friend, um, versus like help with nutritional coaching. If you can only afford sort of one thing, what would be the best way to get the most bang for your buck? Um, if you can afford one thing, yeah. Well, versus like health coaching versus a trainer or something like that, but also just, you know, where is it best to spend the money when you're looking for help in weight loss? So it, for weight loss in particular, I would say it's definitely more beneficial to do the nutritional consultation. Um, okay. You can't outrun a bad diet. It's just not going to happen. Okay. It, like not even about good versus bad, but the reality is that so many people um, say, I know what to do. I just can't do it. Um, and then I speak with them and I'm like, they, they have the theories down, but they don't really know what to do. Can you elaborate like, on that? Cause I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure what you mean by saying that. Correct. So everyone knows that, okay, we kind of, as a society, we eat a lot of carbs. Okay. Carbs are everywhere. They're in Ocala, bagels, pasta, you know. Um, so let's say you meet someone on the street and you ask them, what do you have to do to lose weight? The first thing they'll say is, well, I have to cut the carbs, increase my protein, all of that. But the reality is they very rarely understand what their portions should look like. Okay. Okay. And it's not – well, you can say scientifically – it's calories in versus calories out. And ultimately that's probably true. Um, the type of calorie matters too, right? What? The type of calorie matters also. So like the type yeah. calories from protein are, are better than calories from sugar. Ratio. Uh-huh. In order for their body to function optimally and for them to lose the weight. And if you're not getting that ratio down correctly. Some people will still lose weight, especially men, because that's how they work. (laughs) (laughs) Who are much more hormonal, (laughs) sometimes a lot harder. Right, right. Um, You really need your insulin to be kind of consistent. You need your blood sugar stabilized. You need like all of that kind of kicks in, especially the older we get. Let's, you know, let's be honest. When, when we decided to drop five pounds as a 15 year old, it was a lot easier you know, than when you're 35 trying to drop five pounds. Right. True. True. So it's really about um, meeting with somebody who can get you that meal plan that allows you to eat food you love, but in the right proportions for you so that your body is still getting all the nutrients it needs. You're not, you want to make sure you're not starving your body of any particular nutrients so that your body can allow itself to shed the excess weight. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Do you have any like quick recipes or anything like that are super easy that you go to or that you can share with us? Um, one of my favorites is actually called an egg roll in a bowl. Okay. Sounds good. So I really, I grew up loving, you know, Chinese food, like every American Jewish person. (laughs) (laughs) 
I really love the taste of the egg roll, but I'm not such a big fan of fried food. Okay. I'm sure you figure out, right? Right. But I really love what's inside the egg roll. So it's basically a stir fry. Okay. So you have cabbage, you have your carrots, you can add um, basically your favorite vegetables if you want. You can add broccoli and all that. Okay. Um, you saute it with some ground beef, add your soy sauce, a little bit of rice vinegar, um, ginger, and garlic. Okay. Saute until the ground beef is done. And you can even use ground turkey for this if you want to lighten it up. Okay. Um, and you can throw it over some brown rice in a bowl and you're done. Wow. Sounds good. Like, Actually, it's like really good. <laughs> 10 minutes and you have a meal. Do your kids eat that? Um, my oldest would, I'll yeah. be honest. Okay. <laughs> this, this is one of those things that I make for me and my husband when we have enough leftovers for the kids and we don't really have much. Enough for, like all for us. Yeah. A little bit later. Uh-huh. Um, but I think a lot of kids would eat it. Just mine happened to not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So do you have any kid friendly recipes that we can, that you could share with your, with our listeners today? Um, one of my favorite things for kids is actually oven baked schnitzel. Okay. Which so is it's the same, but just you bake it instead of fry it. It is basically, it's not the same actually, cause there's okay. no egg. Oh, okay. Um, what I do is I actually take a Ziploc bag. Okay. And I pour the breadcrumbs in. And if you get those like super plain breadcrumbs, you can add spices to it if you want, like paprika. So it looks like it has that like fried texture to it. Oh, okay. Like, so you're kind of masking the fact that it's not fried. <laughs> um, you add some olive oil. Okay. Or whatever your favorite oil is. And then you add the very, like, small, what are they called? Like, the schnitzel fillets. Okay. With, like, little strips. Chicken breast strips? Yeah. But, yeah. but like, the very thin, like, little strip ones. Yeah. And you shake it in the bag. You close First, you close the bag. Very important. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that would be a big it. mess. Then <laughs> <laughs> you shake it and you just put it on parchment paper at 200 degrees in the oven. Celsius. So that's around 400 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. Um, and you just put it in there for like 15 minutes. If they're the really small ones, if they're if they're bigger, you can put them in for 20 minutes and you okay. can flip them once in between. Flip them once. Okay. Excellent. All right. All the listeners out there, try that and let us know how it works out for you. Uh, I'm dying to know. <laughs> My kids love schnitzel. It's much easier than standing at the stove flipping right. schnitzel in like a big thing of oil, I promise. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. I actually bought... Uh, a while ago, like a couple of years ago, a humongous frying pan just so I could make all the schnitzel all at once. <laughs> and frying pan. What? But where do you then put the humongous frying pan? Oh my gosh. So it's hilarious because we have a computer in our kitchen and the only place that the frying pan fits is in the drawer to the computer, like the desk. It's hilarious. And it's like the only place, it's the only place it fits. And it was like, but I was like, yeah, I need this huge frying pan. And I think, 
I mean, I, I love it. I use it every single week because it's not only good for like schnitzel, but like when I make a, a bag of frozen peas, let's say, I mm-hmm. can make the whole bag at once, like, you know, just sort of saute it. And I can make like these humongous stir fry. It's almost like a giant wok, except that it's flat. Um, so that's something you should be telling your listeners too, <laughs> that before you go out and buy cookware, you should measure your drawer. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it was one of the, it, okay. So I have to like be honest here. It was a little bit of an impulse buy. I was on vacation and I saw it and I'm like, I have to have that. And it wasn't, um, it wasn't so cheap. It wasn't so expensive, but I looked at it and I'm like, this is a great, great pan. And I'm like, am I really going to use this? And I stood there in the store for 15 minutes. I actually walked out of the store and then came back like 20 minutes later, just so I could think about it. And I decided that it was something that like, it would make preparing for Shabbos a lot easier. And, and in actuality, we really do use it almost every week. And it really does make the preparation for Shabbos a lot easier and faster because it's so big. And I mean, it doesn't even fit over one burner. So we sort of have to like, we don't balance it really, but like we understand like where the hot spot is on it. So like when we want to pull something off or let it like cook at a slower pace, we move it off the hot spot. And it's actually, it's really good. But yeah, you definitely have to consider, I didn't consider when I bought it where I was going to store it. (laughs) That was kind of a little bit of a mistake. Like it was so much of an impulse buy because you left the store. You thought yeah. about like, I'm really going to use this. So I tell everybody to do that all the time with anything that they're going to buy because I think it's so important. And I think that, you know, you could apply the same thing to food too when you're in the grocery store yeah. and you're like shopping hungry. Right. That when people tell me, well, I went to a party and, you know, I want to have like a piece of cake after I had a huge meal. I'm not really hungry. I'm like, that's, you know, look, Go have a glass of water. Decide if you're really hungry. If you are and if you really want to enjoy that piece of cake, go for it. But like the idea is to make that conscious decision. Right. So it's not a cheat. It's like you are putting it into your meal plan that today that's what I'm having. I'm having that piece of birthday cake. It's my kid's birthday. I'm going to enjoy myself. Fine. Not a problem. A hundred percent. It's the but thought. It doesn't spiral down and out of control. Right. It's like conscientious thinking about things and it helps us move forward. Right. Right. It's mindful eating. Right. Um, Or like around the holidays, a big deal was going to Hanukkah parties and things like that and filling up your plate and then finishing it. But like, you're still there and everyone else is still eating and should you still eat some more? Like, well, step away, have your glass of water, get maybe some raw vegetables on your plate. See if that's enough for you. You know, are you really hungry or you know, do you just want to eat? So I think what you said about the water is really important. I was listening to something somewhere else and um, uh, it was a different health coach and she said something like water first, veggies most. Um, Is that like sort of your philosophy too? Um, Yes. I don't think, I have a rule about like free vegetables, basically that eat unlimited vegetables um, that obviously doesn't include like sweet potatoes. Okay regular potatoes or corn, but I do believe that all other vegetables basically are like free vegetables. Fill up your plate. You're not going to overdose on vegetables. It's funny that you say that. One time I did Weight Watchers after my twins were born and I remember the leader said to us, he's like, nobody got fat from eating carrots. Like, (laughs) you know, when we were doing the point system and he, and everybody's like, how should I count carrots? Sorry, say that again. 
Like, you might turn orange, but right. nobody got that. Right. And he was like, why are you obsessing over carrots? Like, <laughs> it's carrots. Like, you have so many other things that you could obsess over. And it was just, exactly. and it's something that always stuck with me that, like, it doesn't matter how many carrots or peppers you eat. Like, it's better option than eating something else. Right. If you, if you need a snack, so let's say 4 p.m. hits. And you have lunch at 1230. You know you have to pick up the kids from Hoog or from school, take them to a Hoog, make dinner, you know, get them in the bath, whatever it is. But you're, you basically can calculate to yourself that you're not eating dinner until 6.45, 7. Right. Okay. Um, and you're looking in the fridge for what you should have. <laughs> no one is going to sabotage themselves or their diet by taking out a bag of baby carrots right. <laughs> or, or even an apple or even an apple right. or honestly, even a low fat plain yogurt. Like these things are great to have on hand. They're wonderful for giving you sustained energy for the rest of your day. Mm -hmm. They're not going to hurt you. Right. And if that means that you eat a little bit less at dinner, that's really not a problem. You're probably going to balance it out anyway. Right. right. Um, the thing that does sabotage people, though, is from going from 12.30 lunch to 6.45 dinner without thinking that they're going to need a snack. And then their kids are eating snacks, and they kind of just, you know, do that mindful, give me a few chips. Mindless? Thing. Do you mean mindless? Mindless. Sorry, yeah. you're right. Mindless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are completely right. Yeah. That raising. Grabbing raising, stuff out of what? I'm a grazer. That's what I call myself. Right. Like I like, oh yeah, I'll have one here, one there. And that's like what packs on the pounds for me. So that's definitely much yeah. more sabotaging than taking something mindfully out of your refrigerator or out of your person being like, it's four o'clock. This is my snack. And that's it until dinner. Right. Right. It's true. It's true. So let's talk about a little bit what a session looks like with you. Um, let's say we're doing like a, a functional nutrition coaching session. What is, what does that look like with you? What do you, what do you do with someone during that time? Um, so a lot of, there are a lot of questions usually in the beginning, okay. like how many hours do you sleep? What do you do for a living? How long is your commute? Um, what time do you eat your meals? Things like that, which I find to be very telling of the person's lifestyle. Okay. Which allows me to kind of realize how to approach their meal plan and what they need in order to make it work. Um, usually things that are said at that point really affect the rest of the session. Um, so we'll do that. Then we'll go over what foods they like, what foods they don't like. Um, so do, do they like to cook? Do you help with actual meal planning? Yes. You do. Okay. And, and, and giving like recipes and things like that? Yep. You get everything for me. Awesome. That's awesome. So if listeners don't live near you, um, what are the options for them if they want to work with you? So I use Skype. I okay. use WhatsApp um, to do video, like video chat, oh, I um, and I work remotely as well. Okay. Um, and what we do is I'll send them paperwork. They can send it back to me. 
um, and then we'll go over it together remotely um, and go over all the questions and all the information about like, again, foods, what they like, what they don't like, everything. Um, and we'll build a meal plan together. I'll send them recipes. In this day and age, it's so easy to work with people, whether they're in your city. But I also work in Jerusalem and Rehovot and Tel Aviv. Oh, amazing. Um, so, when you work with someone, do you help them integrate exercise into their programs? I do. My, my approach is really um, a whole life approach to health. So even if they're not a personal training client and we're just going over nutrition, I still try to encourage them to move their bodies. Okay. Um, I think it's such an important part of your life that it also reduces your stress. It, moving your body just is so important that you can't really be healthy without that aspect, in my opinion. Right. So going back to the time management aspect of things, um, how much time do you really need to be exercising a week? Like what's the minimum that you should really be looking to incorporate into your schedule? And are there any like hacks you could give us on how to make the most of that time? Like, does it count if we, you know, are walking around the mall? Does it count if we take the stairs instead of, you know, taking the elevator? Like what, what counts and how much time do we really need to be so exercising? all movement counts. Okay. Um, I remember I once had a client that hated walking outside. Okay. It was like the summer, I think, when we started. And um, really disliked walking at that point outside. And I came up with an idea where she could walk around the mall in Modine. Okay. Like, each floor and then do it again. Okay. And that would be like her daily exercise between sessions. Okay. And how'd that work for her? So I like to really come up with creative solutions to those types of issues. But um, the reality is that the exercise that's going to work for you is the exercise you're going to do. So <laughs> if you're super busy and you're only able to fit 15 minutes into your day three times a week, that's fine. Do the 15 minutes. And then when you're at work and you have to go from one floor to the other, use the stairs and park your car a little bit further away from work. So you walk like an extra block. Those things will all add up together. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's really important to not have an all or nothing approach when it comes to fitness in general, because even 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, five minutes, it's still better than nothing. Right. hundred percent. So, so the idea is basically that you can totally do an hour at the gym if that's what you're able to do. But if you can't, there's no reason to feel discouraged at starting a fitness routine that's a little bit shorter, that's a little bit choppier, because you're still getting it done. You're still accomplishing your goal. You're fitting it in. Okay. That's amazing. Is there anything else that you think we should know about or that you want to share with us? Well, I have this digital program that's being released in after Pesach this year. Okay. About that time when everyone's starting to think about, you know, their summer goals. Okay. Um, that's going to incorporate all of these things, the fitness in 25 minutes, meal planning, 
all of that. And you can find more information next week on my website. It's not there yet because this is a bit early still. Um, okay. But that's basically it. It's going to be. Can people email you if they want more information? Yes, they can. They can email me at healthybysabrina at gmail.com. Amazing. Sabrina, actually, one last thing before we go. You offered to give everybody um, who's listening today a free menu planning PDF. Can you just yes. tell people how it works? So the menu planning workbook um, incorporates the whole family. Uh, the way it works is you sit down as a family, if you can, and decide what foods you all like, what foods you all don't like, what's easier you know, for you to prepare ahead of time. Um, and it really helps set you up with a weekly strategy so that each night's a lot easier and you don't have to worry about making a whole meal from scratch every night. You don't have to run to the McCollette. You can build or your- Or the supermarket. Supermarket, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can build your um, shopping list, your weekly shopping list in the meal planning workbook. Okay. Um, and that to make your meal plan and make all of your- decisions for the week basically and be prepared. Um, it also comes with recipes that are quick and a list of pantry essentials to make everything a lot easier and make sure you have everything on hand that you need. Amazing. Thanks so much for giving that to everybody. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. To download the free menu planning PDF, head to balaganbegon.com forward slash 89. Like Sabrina said, after Pesach, she is starting a digital program, allowing her to be portable and help you reach your goals wherever you may be. The program includes meal planning, workouts, nutritional guidance, and motivational support. Head to Sabrina's website, www.healthybysabrina.com, to sign up for more information about the course, or contact Sabrina via email, healthybysabrina at gmail.com, or via WhatsApp, 58 Four three seven zero three three eight. Thank you so much for joining us today. Have a great week and happy organizing. Thanks for listening to the Journey to Organization podcast. You can find Rebecca on Twitter and Instagram at BalaGonBegon and on Pinterest as Rebecca Saltzman. Visit BalaGonBegon.com for resources and to join the mailing list to get podcast updates.